Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by. We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast. This is your home for shared stories of hope, perseverance, will, and inspiration. Join us today as we share another story that brings to life the underlying beat of our lives. Consider us your virtual friends. Let's get inspired. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast, and I'm your host, Regina Pontus. Today, I get to talk to a gentleman by the name of Arthur Boyle. He's a gentleman that was diagnosed with a terminal illness, only given a very short six months to live. Arthur ended up going on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje, and he talks all about that and about his Catholic faith and how he has managed to survive. He got a miracle. So I want to to bring his book to your attention, Six Months to Live. And let's listen to Arthur tell his story. Hi, Artie. Thanks so much for coming and talking to us at the Wheel Within podcast. I read with great interest your story. We had a former, or I had a former pastor that you know very well, and he recommended the book because it was so inspiring. Well, thank you, Regina, for inviting me. Start up by telling me your experience growing up and your religious experience. Well, I was raised a Catholic in a Catholic family. I'm half Italian, half Irish, so I got both of them there. And uh, got married at a very young age. Uh, I was just turned 19. My wife was 18. So we started having children immediately and ended up having 13 children along the way, one at a time. And uh, because of that, you know, we always went to church every Sunday. And you know, even though I went to church, it was out of obligation more so than it was out of my driven desire to to go to mass Mm -hmm. my wife on the other hand was very spiritual very religious Uh, i always had a strong faith but it was really a blind faith and uh, you know it was something that my parents had always instilled in me to go to church so that but that was the extent of my spirituality i always believed in you know love thy neighbor as thyself and and you know be nice to other people they'll be nice to you all that stuff all the stuff that everybody else believes but you know when we grew up it was difficult uh of the 13 children we had my oldest boy my second born was autistic 
so having an autistic child and I live in Hingham, Mass, and it was uh, he was the only autistic child in the town at the time. So really didn't know what to do. But, you know, through a lot of prayer and tears and everything else, we learned what to do. And then my eighth child died at the age of two months from sudden infant death syndrome. Oh, sorry. So we've gone through uh, and then we've had some incredible successes with our children. One's a doctor, one's an NHL hockey player. One has recently become a priest. Two years ago was ordained a priest. So we, we have some tremendous gifts from God, and but we've also had our own tragedies. Uh, in, in my case, in 1999, I was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma, which is cancer of the kidney. I went through all kinds of surgeries, a couple of surgeries anyway, uh, to have a, the kidney and the tumor removed. And uh, unfortunately, eight months later, it came back in my lung. I had three tumors in my right lung and metastatic renal cell carcinoma at the time had no cure. There's no radiation, no chemotherapy. Um, the only option was really extraction. So I had to go see a doctor about having my right lung removed. All the while this is happening, a friend of mine, my, my best friend and brother-in-law happens to be Kevin Gill, uh, was aware of all the difficulties I was going through. And he, like me, was not overly spiritual or religious, went to church on Sundays. Again, he has kids, you know, so that's what we did. And he heard about this place called Medjugorje from a good friend of mine who he didn't know that well at the time, named Rob Griffin. And Rob had heard of this place called Medjugorje in a hockey locker room. We're all hockey players. So Kevin got invited to play golf one day with Robbie, and uh, they'd never played golf together before, barely knew each other. But Robbie and I had coached against each other, knew each other well. And Kevin and I, as I said, were brother-in-law. So Robbie asked Kevin how I was doing. And Kevin told him not too good. He went to see the doctor, gave him less than 5% chance to survive. Uh, got his lung removed and on and on it went. So Robbie said to Kevin, have you ever heard of this place called Medjugorje? And Robbie had tried to get his dad there. Um, but unfortunately, his dad was too sick. Couldn't make it and passed away. Robbie was determined to try and help me get to Medjugorje. How old were you at the time, Marty? I was 44 years old. Okay. So 44 years old. Doctor gave me six months to live, basically. Said, you got, you know, go home and put your house in order was actual words to me. Which I don't know why they ever say that to you. I know. It's, it's so, so it takes fun. away the hope. But anyway. And we're talking about Mass General Hospital. Is that where you were going? Yeah, Mass General is where I went for my surgeries. The surgeon that, that did my surgery, there's a lot more to the story. So, you know, at the time I was going through this cancer, um, my wife and her sisters had put my name on the Venus St. Anthony. There were people were praying for me all throughout the South Shore. I'd gone to healing services, mm. um, which I had never done before, where people lay hands on you. I was Father McDonough, I'm sure. Yeah, it was yeah. incredibly powerful. And the most powerful one was with Father McDonough. Mm -hmm. And I went in to see him. Uh, we had a couple of things happen to us, which were remarkable. But I went to see him at, at the Mission Church in Roxbury, which is where he was practicing, mm -hmm. and uh, knelt in the back of that big, beautiful basilica. And for the first time in my life, I prayed with my heart. And I would later find out to pray with your heart means to pray with love and to truly give control to God. As I was doing that, Something literally knocked me backwards in the pew at the church. And I said to my wife, what was that? 
She had no idea. We continued to pray. Father McDonough came down and prayed over me. This incredible warmth went up through my body and my skin color changed from the gray cancer color to my normal skin color right in front of her eyes. Mm. And my bloods tested the next day. They were back to normal, which was a scientific improbability. However, I still had, you know, the renal cell. I went for the surgery. Uh, the pancreas was involved. The pancreatic surgeon was going to be in the operating room. You know, he's going to take a piece of the pancreas. They said it was going to be a very ugly procedure, bleed through the womb. Da, 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 da. But when I get into the operating room, a membrane had grown between, and this was December 9th of 1999. A membrane had grown between the tumor and the pancreas, protecting the pancreas. So the pancreatic surgeon wasn't needed. They removed the tumor, the kidney, the adrenal gland, whatever else they had to take out, and didn't touch the pancreas. The pancreas today sits in the kidney bed still. Right. A few weeks later, the pathology report came back. The doctor calls me on the phone saying everything is normal. Congratulations. And I was pretty stunned. Didn't expect to hear that. However, once you're a cancer patient, you have to keep going in for cancer treatments. Um, I went in three months later. Everything was fine. Eight months later, the tumors appeared in my right lung. Tell me about your emotions going through this up and down, up and down. We yeah, you're up and down. It's, you're a roller coaster. I mean, the only option we had at that point was, in addition to going to see the doctors, was to pray. And the prayer became more and more uh, involved. The rosary, the mass, adoration. I was doing everything I could in my power. I was going yeah. to acupuncture. I was going to holistic medicine. I was doing everything I could yeah. to try and stay alive. But the Let greatest me guess, thing, Tom Tam. Tom Tam, yeah, yeah, he's a big. <laughs> We're the same guys. We go to the same. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Tom Tam's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he is amazing. And he, he, uh, he helped me a lot, obviously, as did Father McDonough. And however, now I have the tumors in my lung. I have to have my lung removed. However, before we do that, Robbie and Kevin have that meeting on the golf course. Kevin calls me up. Have you ever heard of Medjugorje? I said. Um, Heard of it. My wife got a book on the messages of Medjugorje 10 years earlier. She tried to read me those messages while I was trying to watch some sports on TV or something. So it would go in one ear and out the other. I never heard <laughs> what she was saying. And he he said to me, Do you want to go? Now we had we didn't even know where it was. We knew it was in Bosnia, which is halfway across the world. It's a little village, as you know. Um, we thought it was a third world country. We brought Suitcases full of food and water because we didn't know what the heck we were going into. Mm. But the minute he asked me if I wanted to go, something inside of me just kind of jumped. And I said, yes. And from the point on of me saying yes to go to Medjugorje, things started really ramping up and changing in my life. All kinds of signs from God were coming through. Um, we, Kevin had bought a first class before he even asked me if I wanted to go. He had bought three first class plane tickets for him, Rob, and I. And he hadn't even asked Robbie yet. Really? Yep. To, wow. For us to go to Medjugorje in the next week. And it's like they both own huge companies. For them to drop everything yeah, just to yeah. take me to Medjugorje yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It was like the paralytic man being lowered at the feet of Jesus. It was the same exact thing. Wow. We jump on this plane. And I, we kept a journal, all of us. And I wrote in my journal, I'm going to Medjugorje to be healed and to see the Blessed Mother. And although I may not actually see her, I know I'll be touched by her in some way. 
And faith defined in the gospel is the confident assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things yet unseen. And I had written in my journal the confident assurance of things hoped for, and I would later get the evidence of things yet unseen. We got to Medjugorje, and the best way I can describe it, it's a place of supernatural peace. There's a big church, the Church of St. James, that sits right in the middle of the village. Uh, The village was only 95 families or something like that at the time when they built this church, and the church holds a 1,000 people or something, standing room only, of course. They all jam in there. It's crazy how many people put in there. That was an apparition that started around the 80s, right? Early 80s, if I'm not mistaken. June 24th, 1981. Yeah, 1981. Blessed Mother appeared before six children. Yeah. To this day, three of those children, who are not children any longer. Right. They live um, in the United States. Yeah. Well, no, not all of them. Um, Not all, but yeah. Three of them them still receive daily apparitions. One of them happens to be a very good friend of mine, Ivan Dravicevich. Him and I have been traveling for the past 20 years, giving witness to the healing power of Jesus and the intercession of the Blessed Mother. He sees the Blessed Mother every single day, which is just remarkable. Visca still lives over in um, Medjugorje. She also receives daily apparitions. And the other one is uh, Maria. And Maria, Maria Lowley over. passed away, I guess, a couple of years ago. Who? I thought Maria Lowley passed away a few years ago. No, this is Maria. Uh, I forget what her last name is, but she no, she's very much alive. Okay, because Maria six, Lowley lived in Massachusetts. Yeah, no. All six of these kids are still alive. Oh. Uh, Yakov is still in Medjugorje, lives there. Mariana lives in Medjugorje. Um, Ivanka lives in Medjugorje. Ivan lives in Massachusetts. And um, Maria lives over there. So the, the, most of them are over there. The only one over okay. here is Ivan. Okay. But anyway, over there, the key to Medjugorje is not um, like you'll hear people talk about the smell of roses or rosary beads yes, turning to gold right. yep. or the sun spinning and dancing. And those are nice touches for the people there. All those things happen to us but they have nothing to do with Medjugorje. Mm. Medjugorje, to the left of St. James Church, were these boxes, the confessionals. And Robbie, Kevin, and I hadn't been to confession in 20, 30. We had no idea how many years it had been. So we said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right, we're going to go to confession. So the first thing we did was go to confession. Then we went into Mass, praying the rosary. Uh, people were singing with such conviction that you literally felt your soul go up into heaven. It was that incredible. We were going to meet our guide, who was Visca's cousin. Visca is one of the visionaries. Visca is one of the visionaries that happens to be tasked with praying for the sick, which I qualified for. So she was going to pray over me, which was going to be a great grace for us. Unfortunately, when we came out, Jelka said Visca had to go to Rome to visit a sick friend. Won't be able to pray over you. Disappointing, but we're in Medjugorje. Next day we get up. We were in Medjugorje September 4th to the 10th. My surgery was scheduled for September 14th, so it was truly a trip of desperation. We got up the next morning, went to Mass. After Mass, Jelka asked us what we wanted to do. We said we wanted to get our wives something nice, so we went to a jewelry store right down the street, Leo's Jewelry Store, and uh, spent 45 minutes shopping for jewelry. I finally bought five rosary bead bracelets for my daughters, and I was looking at the gold crosses and chains for my sons, and I was thinking, man, this is expensive. But then I said to myself, if I can spend the money I spend on hockey and golf and whatever else I waste money on, I could certainly spend it on Jesus. As that thought entered my head, there's a commotion immediately to my left. Kevin comes over, puts his arm around me, and he says, 
Do you know who that is standing next to you? It was Visca. She had missed her plane from the night before. She happened to stop into the, this jewelry store to buy a rosary ring for her sick friend, and she was now standing next to me. Jelica explained who I was. Visca took her tiny hand and put it on my head to pray. Robbie and Kevin put their hands on my back, and the heat that went through my body from her intense prayer caused them to sweat. That was the beginning of our trip to Medjugorje. As I said earlier, we had all those crazy things happen. Rosary beads turn to gold, sun spinning and dancing, the smell of roses enveloping him. It was just wild. And the whole time we're there, all we're doing is rosary, mass, adoration, apparition, the stations of the cross, climbing the mountains, climbing the hill. It's just beautiful. And it's so peaceful that I spent a week of nothing but worship. And I believe it rebooted my immune system and allowed the cancer to be taken care of by God. So we're up, there's a mountain over there called Cross Mountain, and it's behind the church, well behind the church. It's quite a ways away, but it's it's said that the Blessed Mother prayed at the top of that mountain at the cross. This is literally a 15-ton cross at the top of that mountain with her son Jesus every morning. So we wanted every grace possible. We're going up that mountain. So on the way up the mountain, um, I felt a pain in my lung. We thought it was getting worse. I thought it was getting worse. And we get at the top of that mountain, and it was very unusual because on any given day, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people on that mountain. There was nobody there. Happened to be raining, which helped us, but it was just me, Rob, and Kevin. And we were literally embracing, crying out to Jesus out loud to heal me, weeping reciting scripture we were doing things we would never do back home and i came off that mountain and i called my wife and i said i don't know what is going on over here but something is happening please call the doctor and get another scan uh, before they cut out my right lung which mm. they're going to do four days after i land mm. she called the doctor the doctor secretary called me back and said uh, mr boyle we know you're in medjugorje we know why you're there that's a beautiful thing but the fact is you have cancer and it's not going to disappear. So we're going to go ahead with the surgery. My wife did what any good wife would do. She got another doctor. This doctor had sent his parents to Medjugorje and had a picture of Medjugorje hanging in his office wall. God was truly working on our behalf. Before we went up the mountain, um, we were passing by the confessionals and Kevin decided to go back into confession because he forgot a couple of things. And he got in there and met this wonderful priest and come flying back to our room, burst through the doors and said, you guys have to go back to confession. He said, there's an incredible priest there. He's only going to be there for five more minutes. He was so convicted that we got up and the three of us sprinted down Main Street, Medjugorje to go to a place we tried to avoid for the last 30 years, the confessional. When I met the priest inside, his name was Father Simon Kedwallader from Liverpool, England. He was a beautiful, soft priest. I had the first sincere confession of my life where he literally just got everything out of me. And he said the Eucharist was the most powerful medicine we have on, on the planet. Take Jesus into your body as often as possible and ask him to heal you. And he said many other things to me. And he said, um, in the words of St. Francis, he could sense a building excitement in the three of us. He said, in the, uh, in the words of St. Francis, when you guys go back, preach the gospel, but when you have to use words. He said, don't go back and start talking about Medjugorje. 
people are going to think you're all whack jobs. Just go back and live your life. We did that. And that's exactly what had happened. People started asking. Then I started telling. Mm -hmm. And I don't tell unless I'm asked. Right. (laughs) Just be witness. Right. (laughs) I get that all the time. If you want to ask me why I live the way I live, then I'm happy to share it with you. I'm not going to proselytize to you. I'm just going to be witness. That's right. And And that's that's all we're all called to be. And that's the story I'm telling. And that's amazing that you that at that point you were also an executive at a company as well, right? So like yeah, you said, so, yeah. three got three guys that just put everything away and just experience something you never thought you would experience in your life. And what a profound feeling for the three of you guys. Right. It changed all of our lives dramatically. The one thing I do know is when I came out of the confessional, I had been told by the doctor that basically I was going to die. Yeah. And when they tell you that, the depression, the anxiety that weighs on you is so heavy. You can barely put one foot in front of the other. But when I came out of that confession, everything was gone. Wait. It all lifted completely. Yeah, That's why and I asked I, that question to begin with. Like you go up and down with tests and emotions and, not, and then all oh, of a sudden going there, it just completely changed the game for you. Changed everything. And I, yeah. and, and it was, I realized the importance of confession. I believe anybody can be healed of any malady, physical, emotional, spiritual, if they have a sincere confession, because we're filled with stuff. You can't, the Holy Spirit's got no room to get in there and heal you. So if you can get rid of the garbage, and we do that through confession, but we also do it through forgiveness. And I learned over there, you know, my parents had got divorced. They didn't know that was bothering me. A woman over there, Nancy Ladder, had revealed that to me. Unless you can forgive, you know, you hold on to something. It also prevents the Holy Spirit from getting in there. And we bury stuff so deep inside of us that we oftentimes forget what it is we need to forgive. And it manifests itself in other ways. It comes out, just comes out in another form. That's right. But this, so I was able, when I got home, uh, I had my wife get everybody around, which she did, my kids, their their spouses, my mother and father, my brothers and sister and all their spouses. And I forgave my father for divorcing my mother. My mother didn't like it, but it was, she knew it was something I had to do. And I did the two things I thought were totally necessary for me to be healed. And that was a sincere confession and true forgiveness. And when I went in for tests, the, um, Radiologists were like, you know, we have to do more pictures. You're not breathing right. I start to get excited. I go flying back to the thoracic surgeon's office. I present him with the films. He tells me to wait. And normally when they call you in, they sit behind their big desk for their protection so they can give you all the bad news. He was standing in his threshold, rubbing his fingers to his chin, saying, they're gone. The tumor's in my right lung. On September 14th, the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, instead of having my right lung removed, I was playing golf with Robbie and Kevin. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, through so the intercession powerful. of Mary, it healed me in Medjugorje. And oh, I have been gifted with the ability to tell that story and to bring hope to others. And, you know, lots of times the doctors don't know. They can't, they can't do everything. They're not God. But God can do anything. And like you said in the possible. beginning, he's the divine physician. That's right. That's what it comes down to. So how have you been able to share your story? I mean, where have you gone? And tell me a little bit about that. Oh, my God. So I've, I've been all over the world. I've really? been, I spoke uh, in Vienna, Austria, at the Cathedral St. Stephen to 6,000 people. 
I've been to Ireland uh, with Yvonne. And, uh, I was with Yvonne in Vienna also and spoke to 6,000 people in Ireland, 65,000 people in Medjugorje. Uh, there was a, a youth festival and there's like 100,000 people there, but 65,000 people were at the talk. I've spoken in second grade classes, mm. teaching them the rosary. Mm. I've spoken to many schools and many, um, you know, kids, CCD kids and stuff like that. They're very impacted by the story because it's a story of hope that they don't yes. get. They don't hear a lot of that. Yep. Yep. So I, I've been everywhere. A lot of Legatus groups will call me in for some talks. And uh, I just I just all it is is a witness. Like you said earlier, I'm just right. telling a story. You can. And I usually preface it by saying, I'm just going to tell you a story. This is what happened to me. Believe it or not, it's up to you. You know, this is this. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And this is what happened. You can and, tell you're an open and giving person. You would, like you said, you just be willing to share the story of what happened to you and let people realize that Mary worked wonders for you. And you're just a witness walking the face of the earth. And when you actually uh, came back and were healed, did, did you leave your corporate job and go into working for the archdiocese as kind of like a thank well, you, you or? I didn't immediately. I did sell the business I was in, which was trucking and transportation. I got rid of that. Uh, I believe that's what was killing me. So, oh. and then I went into another smaller business for a little while, but I kept praying all the while that I, I need to give back. I need to do something. And I ended up getting a job at the Archdiocese as a development officer. Yeah. So I raised money for the church. So I can tell my story whatever I want. Yeah, there you go. That's great. Well, wow. Yeah. I, I, I was so inspired. People. Listen, when you were just talking about uh, getting your whole family together, though, you're one of eight. Your wife's one of eight. Judy's one of eight. You got you had 13 children, 11 living. You must have had to rent a hall <laughs> to do that. No, you'd be surprised. You could put a lot of people in a small space. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it. It's just it's, it's pretty powerful. Oh, but yeah, you're it? right. You have to make amends with people as well to clear oh, yourself yeah. of your own anxieties because a lot of the stress we hold, like we're talking about, manifests itself in another way as well. It sure does. And so, it only makes you sick. Yeah. You know, no yeah. sense doing that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, and now with this, it all. Right. Now with this COVID thing ending, we're hopefully going to be able to go out and about and you're going to be able to share your story with more people. Well, I've actually well. still been, it's amazing. Even through COVID, I've been able to do it either through podcasts Is or that right? yeah. Zoom right. calls. Or I've, yeah, I've, I've I've been on um, Villanova University. I've been uh, some different other schools where they just put it on Zoom and we do it that way. So it's like, but I'm also actually going out and about now more than obviously the last year, but now I'm starting to get out a little bit more. So, but it's, I made a promise to the Blessed Mother that I would never say no. So if I was asked to speak on her mm. or Jesus's behalf, and I never have. Mm -hmm. And it's literally brought me around the world. But, and I've gone to, back to Medjugorje 19 times. I've taken very sick people over there. I've seen many people healed, and I've seen many people receive the ultimate healing, which is to die and go to heaven. Because all you're really doing is preparing yourself for when we go to heaven. So You're making a great point. Not everybody is necessarily healed physically the way you would think of it, but maybe you were cleansed of your spirit to be able to purify you to go on to the next journey and have it. Yeah. You know, so that's a beautiful thing. That's actually sometimes more powerful. So people need to be totally cleansed. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me. 
I oh, really appreciate that. I'm sure my I'm sure my listeners will be thoroughly moved by this whole experience listening to your story. And oh, I'm gonna how do we contact pleasure. you? How do somebody wants to contact you and ask you to speak? How do they do that? Uh, I have well there's several ways. Apatboyle at gmail.com. So a pat is in Patrick P A T Boyle B O Y L E at gmail.com is probably the best way to get in touch with me. And your book again is Six Months to Live. Yeah. Six three months guys, to live. Yeah. Three, three guys and ultimate quest. <laughs> ultimate quest for America. I love that. It, um, well, it was three, it's like three knuckleheads, three, three musketeers. We, we yeah. show up, people are like, what are you three guys doing here? Yeah, right. You <laughs> just seem to want a place, but you're doing your thing. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. on the journey yeah. like everybody else. So before we go end up um this podcast, I usually talk to people quickly. Give them a chance to tell me what their mantra is. What their what is? Mantra. My mantra. Um, what do you mean? What is your, what is the strongest belief system you have? Like, what do you say to yourself? And what words do you, of authentic oh, words do you I, live by? Oh, my belief system is based on Jesus Christ, of course. Mm-hmm. It's like it's everything is based on my faith. Uh, that's what I live by. I mean, yeah. it's, I, as I said earlier, I still, you know, if you're nice to someone, they're, they're going to be nice to you. So mm-hmm. I really believe that you should always be, I should try to put that into my children as well. Always be kind, always be giving, always be helpful because then, you know, someday you may need it and they'll, you'll get it returned to you. But even then you want to bring joy to this world. You don't want to bring negativity. So we we do the best we can to be happy and, you know, some people think we're crazy for having so many kids. We think we're just completely blessed. And, and be and the witness. Kids. Yeah. Be the and witness that Christ wants us to be. Yep. We're all really called to be disciples. Right. So that's what we have to do. Well, thank you so much again for doing this. I really appreciate it. God bless you on your journey. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks. Well, wasn't that a profound and moving story? Imagine everything he's gone through, and he's able to share his story to help us understand about the wonderful blessings that Christ and our Blessed Mother will give us if we only stop and and ask for God's blessing and God's cure. He really would be a wonderful asset if you're interested in having him come and talk to you. Please make sure to avail yourself of his email and contact him. And if you want to contact me, please feel free to do so at the Will Within Podcast at gmail.com. And make sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you're on whatever form you listen to this. And until next week, my virtual family, be blessed.
This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.